Have you experienced any level of stress in the past year? Well, you're not alone. Stress is part of life. And sometimes stress makes us stronger, and sometimes stress just wears us down. Do we need it? Can we change how we respond to it? Yes to both of those questions. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Samantha Brody about the impact it has and tools for changing the way we deal with stress, as she calls it, stress 2.0. Dr. Samantha Brody is a naturopathic physician and licensed acupuncturist in Portland, Oregon. She speaks frequently on health topics throughout the country, is curator of the website glutenfreeportland.org, and is founder and owner of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Southwest Portland. She works with people to find, as she calls it, the sweet spot, where you're doing what you need to do to care for yourself, your health care, nutrition, and lifestyle. Dr. Samantha Brody, welcome back to Health Currents Radio. It's so great to have you in the studio. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here again. Well, stress. I love to talk about stress because I find it such an interesting topic because there's so much we can do about it. And it really is part of life, right? It's Some of it's good and some of it isn't so great. So I was wondering if you could just introduce your concept of it by giving our listeners some understanding of how we experience stress. Absolutely. So first of all, like as you said, stress is good for us. If we didn't have stress, we wouldn't be able to live and function. And our bodies being able to respond to stress appropriately is extremely important. It helps us on a day-to-day basis to deal with situations that actually should be encouraging a stress response in our bodies. So here's the idea, that our bodies are meant to handle big stresses, not tiny, ongoing, repeated stresses. So an example is you're at the watering hole, and you've got your baby, you're hanging out, having a drink, and out of the corner of your eye, you see a cheetah, and she's hungry. You grab your baby, and you run. And our bodies really are set up for that kind of stress. They, it, they produce different kinds of stress hormones that support us in doing the thing we need to do, fight or flight. So when we look at big stresses in our lives that happen on a kind of recurring basis like that, it is absolutely normal and good for us to have that happen. But then we get in a situation where we have these ongoing stresses, where we, are, we have situations in our lives where we are continually producing stress hormone in that manner for reasons that are not fight or flight. And when that happens, we can get in trouble physiologically. And then the second piece of that is the stress 2.0 idea where we actually have, if we're able to take the stresses that we're having and instead of look at them as big stresses or little stresses, but look at them as stresses that we do have control over, we don't have control over, or we're choosing not to change at that moment, then it's a whole new ballgame as far as how we can learn to deal with stress so it doesn't impact us negatively. Right. So we've got this cheetah concept, which today is... Well, usually people aren't sitting around at the watering hole with the cheetah in the back, but there's noise, there's pressure, there's cell phones, there's work, there's finances, there are all those things that are kind of like the cheetah at our back, right? Right. Well, you know, I actually might say that the cheetah at our back is more the situation where a kid runs out in the street when you're driving or you uh, almost fall off a ladder, you know, those kinds of situations. And... What's happening is that we're we're responding similarly to the noise and the work deadline and the high caffeine intake the same way that we should be responding to those sudden stressors that want us to run. 
or right. Um, so those those accumulations of those things that go on and on and on in our in our daily life, there and that a stress response then creates this accumulative response that creates that ah I'm fight or flight kind of right. syndrome. So I think our bodies, our our brains really want to habituate, and our brain mm. chemicals really like to rot. So uh, you know, kind of like cross country ski tracks, they really want to go where they know where to go. And so what happens is when we're constantly barraged with different kinds of stresses that our body is perceiving to be dangerous, even though it might not actually be dangerous, our bodies then will immediately respond with that fight or flight in situations where it's not appropriate. Right. So there's, we we actually begin to tolerate that, right? Talk to us about tolerating stress and what's going on there. Interesting. So I think that we become first of all, culturally attuned to it in a way. Everyone else is under similar stress, so we start to believe that that's the way we're supposed to be. There's actually, you know, something people are proud of by saying, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so stressed out, it's been an awful (laughs) week. You know, there's part of connecting with each other that we do in that way. And then also our bodies get in habits of responding to stress in a certain way, Mm -hmm. which can undermine us ultimately. Right. So, And then it undermines us in, in what ways? When we produce stress hormone, it's in those bursts. One of the things that it will do is suppress our immune function and dump sugar into our bloodstream because what our bodies want us to do is run. But when we're doing that on an ongoing basis, we end up having health repercussions because it's supposed to be quick and brief, and then your body's supposed to have time to recover from that. So normally, we, we start out resilient, but it can wear us down. So by the time people come to you in your clinic and those symptoms of stress are manifesting as symptoms, right? I mean, we know there's a, an element of, of a stress in all chronic health problems. I mean, it's stressful to be sick. That too, right? right? I mean, the outcome, the cause and the outcome. Right. So it's kind of what comes first, the chicken or the egg right. kind of thing, right? Yeah. So people are there. They're in, they're in your clinic. They're sick. There's stress. And... It's a conundrum, right? Absolutely. So how do we, how do you kind of back it up to get out of that conundrum, which is, you know, I'm stressed, I'm sick, the sick, being sick is making me stressed, I have allergies, that's stressing me out, right. you know, et cetera. One of the things that I see frequently in my practice is that I have lots of options for people, but they're already so overwhelmed, they can't get to a place where they're able or willing to make those changes. Mm-hmm. So it's a question of really step, helping people step back and get a broader view of what's going on so they can really take advantage of the places that they do have control over what's going on. So what kinds of things would they have control over that, you know, that as a, as a naturopathic physician, acupuncturist, you know, we can help them with? Well, one of the great things about acupuncture I'll start with is that it can actually decrease your stress response and change the way your body's handling stress. And one of the great things about that is people can go to your clinic, for instance, and lay on the table and do nothing except for rest and have this medicine work on them. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge benefit to that because, again, people often when people are stressed, one of the things that's making them feel, you know, quote unquote stressed is the magnitude of the number of things they have to do or the experience that there's not enough time in the day. So first of all, the things that we can do with people that they really don't need to do anything. Right, and that acupuncture really helps them regulate their nervous system so, so they get out of that fight or flight s- state that they're in. Yes, right? and there are also supplements that can do that as well mm. that I will use with my patients that actually help decrease the fight or flight 
uh, response in their bodies. And, and, go ahead. and what would they be? So, you know, again, it's different for everybody, so I'm always hesitant to make specific recommendations right. So, right. with not, a grain of salt. We're not making a medical <laughs> recommendation here, but we're letting you know there are options. Yeah. And... So one of my favorite supplements to use is called L-theanine, mm-hmm. and it's an extract of green tea. And there are studies showing when you take it during the day, it helps calm you down, and then it also helps you sleep better at night when you take it during the day. So I often people who have a bunch of stress in their lives do have trouble sleeping or their brains right. don't turn off. So anything that I can give someone that has more than one benefit, I really like that because the fewer supplements people need to take, the better Absolutely. as far as I'm concerned. Another one that I really like is called GABA. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have receptors in our brain that bind with this GABA. that are It's inhibitory, basically. It calms you down. Now, when you take GABA orally, it shouldn't cross your blood-brain barrier. So for years we thought that when you take GABA orally and it works, it means you might have some kind of problem with your blood-brain barrier. Mm. But now what we understand is that it's actually impacting the experience of stress you're having physically because it helps you decrease the level of adrenaline, norepinephrine, epinephrine, those are the same, that is running through your body. So it's a great thing to take once we want to do things to help prevent it Mm-hmm. Also, adrenal support herbs like Siberian ginseng, for instance, mm-hmm. or ashwagandha. And then what, if you do have that stress response, the GABA can really help calm you down. Or also herbs that are called nervine herbs like skullcap or valerian even, although that one can make you kind of tired and it, and it smells, smells like stinky. feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or passiflora, those kinds of herbs. So you're talking about when you're in that state, you really can't get out of it through just your mind. You need that physiological support, and the acupuncture and the supplements, the herbs, can actually give you that support to start slightly start to change it. Yeah, a you know, bit. I would say that it can aid in that substantively. And there are some kinds of counseling and some kinds of meditative processes that for some people can actually help them when that state of stress is happening. So some people get in this loop where they can't pull out of it. Other people are able to use techniques such as mindfulness meditation or uh, techniques such as cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, techniques that you can learn in with certain kinds of therapists that will teach you how to mitigate your own stress response when it's happening. Right. So you're talking about what we can control, meaning first we're getting support from the outside, which in stress, whenever we're giving that support, that social interaction can actually reduce stress in people too, right? That oxytocin kind of yummy kind of I'm close to somebody can can help the system. It absolutely can. Although that said, I will say that there are some people for whom that's stressful, right? Right, There are people who tend to be more introverted who work out their stuff on their own. So that's a really important point here, which is that everyone needs a different set of things, whether it's different things that they can work on in their lives or different techniques to be able to address what's going on in their own lives. And I often see with patients, I'll come and say, I've tried everything. So, well, no, you haven't tried everything because you're still feeling unwell. And I know we can get you feeling well. It may be that there are other things you haven't tried, or it may be the combination of things. So someone will say, well, I tried that herb, or I tried meditation, or I tried X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that by by helping kind of guide them and, and kind of deconstruct what the stress is and and what's going on, you can actually start to talk about. 
how to improve the state. So you talk about a lot in this Stress 2.0, these three different areas, the things you can change, the things you can't change, and the things you choose not to change. Um, sounds a little bit like Al-Anon or AA, you know. <laughs> you know, or, funny, it really does, right? So, yeah. I mean, in, in the 12-step programs, they talk about knowing that there are things that you can't change and you need to just accept them. Right. And it is kind of like that. Right. But there's a piece of it, in my mind, there really are very few things that you can't change. And there are some, absolutely, genetics or things that have happened in your past. You can't really change that. Although I will say you can change the likelihood of expressing a certain gene, or you can change the way that you're responding to something that happened in your past with the proper support to do that, Absolutely. of course. But the idea of the really looking at what you can change, what you can't change, and things you choose not to change. So I'm, I'll give an example. You talked about allergies earlier. So right. let's say you're allergic to cottonwood, and you have a big cottonwood tree in the front of your yard. You could cut the tree down. You could move to another place. You could wear a, a respirator every time you leave your house. And those may be things that you choose not to do because the impact of that might be larger than the benefit that you would get right. from doing it. So what we look at is if those are things you choose not to change, you can then look at what things you can change. And so someone say, well, I won't do the neti pot or nasal irrigation. I hate it. Well, it might be worth it if it will help you feel better, and you don't know until you try it. And the ne neti pot, for those of you who don't know what that is, is, is using salt water to basically clear out your sinuses and your nasal passages, which can, can help reduce uh, the symptoms of sinus congestion, et cetera, from, from allergies. So but what else can we change? Because there's a lot we can change. There's a lot we can change. And part of what I do with patients, but people can do, or clients, or people can do on their own, is to really assess all the areas in their life that they do have some control. And that's one of the big pieces of Stress 2.0, is some things you want to change that are leading directly to a symptom. But if you can get your overall load of stress down, mm -hmm. that it's much more likely for you to have resilience in the face of things that you're choosing not to change or that you can't change. Right, because they'll always be stress in our life. Let's get it. I mean, we need stress to live. You know, standing up is stressful, right? Right. Because you have to use muscles and, you know, bones and stuff. But if we didn't, if we lay down all the time, we'd become weak and we couldn't right. stand up and we couldn't function. So. Right. And I hear all the time in my practice, well, I, you know, I will do that when X happens. So I'll be able to cook for myself when I move to my new apartment. But the reality is, is that we need to be able to figure out how to function well when things are going on in our lives, because life is complicated and there always are things that are going on. So you talk a lot about this, in talking about resiliency and stress. Uh, you had mentioned in your in this concept of stress 2.0 about these buckets, and we've talked, we've alluded to that already as being that you know we can take a certain amount of stress and then we're kind of done. You know, like we can deal with stress and people learn to tolerate it and people learn to live with stress over years, you know. Um, and sometimes they don't even know they're over the top. Most often, I would say, that they don't realize it by looking at other kinds of stresses in their lives that they will feel better. Talk more about right. that. Right. Okay. So here's the idea that everyone is born with a certain size bucket of their ability to handle stress. Some mm -hmm. people are born with big buckets. Some people are born with small buckets, which is why we see two people facing something similar and have complete having completely different responses physiologically right. to it. And there are different things that go in that bucket. And let me back up a moment and say that I think there are some things that can change the size of your bucket. 
regular meditation or stumbling upon your spiritual path or regular exercise that can actually change your ability to handle stress. But for the most part, those buckets are those buckets. And I'll talk about that exercise in a minute when we talk about one of the things that goes in that bucket. So we start layering things into the bucket, starting with the things we can't change, our genetic disposition, things that have happened in the past. And then other things start filling that bucket. Nutritional stress, environmental stresses, work stress, family, financial tolerations, which I use for things that I use that term for things we put up with for extended periods of time that would actually be less stressful to deal with them Mm -hmm. rather than to just tolerate them over time. And it can be a small thing like a squeaky drawer that every time you open the drawer and it squeezes, I got it, you know. And the effort to go downstairs and get the WD 40 would really take two minutes. And you know, to a big thing where there's something you need to talk about with a sibling that you really need to face. And so tolerations, and then another area in the bucket is insufficiency. So when you're talking about exercise, there are things that if we don't get enough of them, it causes stress. And Mm -hmm. exercise is one of those. Physical touch, sunlight. Some of us in Portland face that at certain times of year. We do all the time. (laughs) Fresh air, uh, clean water, things like that. And so... For everyone, what goes in the bucket is a little bit different, and how much space in the bucket something takes up is also different for each person. And my premise here with Stress 2.0 is that, yes, we need to look at the stresses that are impacting specific symptoms, but if we're able to look at the gestalt of it, at the big picture of our own bucket and what's in there and start addressing those things one at a time, two at a time, you know, on a quarterly basis, really assessing what those things are and making an active game plan to deal with them, it's a game changer. It is a game changer. I was just thinking about, you know, people who... They may be quite strong, but they, they're born into poverty. They're born into, you know, tricky situations. They're really resilient, and they may not have the tools. You know, if you're listening out there and you're one of those people, you know, what, would, what could someone do? You know, I mean, I think one thing you talked about was getting some support, some social support. Right, and that can be, you know, these days groups on Facebook, right? Mm. And I will say that I think about this often that self-help in a way is a privilege to have access to that or to be able to buy a book or go to a group or go to therapy or even afford health care in some cases. And so it really becomes what can you do given where you are? One thing is sleep, for instance. Mm. Now they're going to be, for instance, if you have three jobs, you may not be able to manage the kind of sleep that you would like to. However, you know, I had a patient yesterday who uh, was telling me that he, you know, he's dealing with a bunch of mental emotional issues, super great guy, really self-aware, and his sleep pattern is to go to bed at 4.30 in the morning and wake up at 11.30. And he was saying, well, I like to do that. That's, you know, how my natural rhythm is. And we talked about how that might be negatively impacting him and how he might be able to make a shift in that by, for instance, turning off his computer earlier or backing it up even a few hours so he feels more rested the next day. Getting the cell phone out from underneath the pillow. Oh, that. <laughs> yes, right? The So sleep is an area where often people feel really caught up right? because we, first of all, when you're producing stress hormone all day, it's much harder to sleep. It right. impacts your ability to sleep well. 
but also because we are on the computers or on our Kindle Fire and we have the blue light coming from our screens, which suppresses melatonin. We have noise in the middle of the night. We have lights, right? Mm -hmm. Even lights, having your lights on until midnight and then trying to just turn the light off and go to sleep for some people can be a problem. So the places where you know you are negatively, but you're making choices that are negatively impacting your ability to make a good night's sleep. And again, some of it you may not have control over and some of it you may. And so really identifying where you can make a difference. Right. Because every piece of, uh, every choice we make, every piece of more mastery or control, not in the control freak sense, but in like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to sleep earlier. I'm going to try to have at least, you know, a couple of vegetables a day. I'm going to take a walk every day. Gives us more confidence. And, right. and, and that in of itself has a positive effect, right, on our nervous system and on reducing stress. Right, absolutely. And having even a little bit more energy. Sometimes I'll say to someone, you know, would having 10% more energy help you? Right. And when you're feeling crummy, yeah, 10% more energy can have a profound impact on your life and give you the resources to then deal with some of the other things you need to deal with, which it's hard to do when you're exhausted. It's hard to go yeah. exercise when you have a 10-hour day at work and you're just exhausted. The easiest thing to do is to plunk down in front of the TV, fall asleep, and you know, grab dinner, fall asleep in front of the TV, and then you don't get a good night's sleep, and then you're more tired the next day. So it's really interrupting your own habits, which is not always easy. Yeah. It isn't always easy, but I was I was looking around for you know just doing some research on stress and 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 impacting us and and came across this this idea that I know I've seen it in mindfulness based stress reduction where you, know, you can actually change your brain in eight weeks uh, in in the mindfulness based stress reduction programs. Um, so this thing of when you change your mind about stress, which you do through either exercise, my meditation, mindfulness. Um, uh, nutritional changes, sleep, et cetera, you actually change your body's response to stress. And there was this amazing study done at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in which they asked almost 29,000 people to rate their level of stress over the past year, as well as how much they believe stress influenced their health, a little, moderate, or a lot. And over the next eight years, public death records were used to record the passing of any subjects. And they reported that people having high levels of stress and who believed that stress had a large impact on their health had a whopping 43% increased risk of death. I don't know how they did this, but (laughs) on the other hand, those that experienced a lot of stress but didn't perceive its effects as negative were among the least likely to die as compared to all the other participants in the study, which is what you're really saying, that if you can change your mind about stress by these things that you can control even by choosing not to change things. That's, that's your choice, right? So that it can actually change how you interact with stress. I'm really looking forward to reading that uh-huh. study. You know, it brings up a lot of things around that, right? So I want to educate people that stress does impact your health, but I certainly don't want to give people a greater risk of expiring because they are understanding that their stress does impact them. So I think it's really, I'm guessing, it's more a matter of empowerment there than anything else. It's saying, yes, I may have a lot of stress, and I'm not going to let it undo me. And I'm not going to let it undo me by 
by giving people the tools they need to make those changes that they can right. and to recognize when they don't want to change the things that they can't. Right. And also really working on that resilience piece where not only right. physiologically but mentally and emotionally, like you said, stress happens. That's part of what we are faced with as humans. And the stress can be physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, you know, whatever those things are. And so really being conscious about, yeah, this happens. And rather than feeling the weight of it and having it push you down and going, oh, this is this is going to kill me. You know, the, yeah. the stress <laughs> is going to kill me. Saying, all right, well, here I'm faced with this. What can I do? Right. How can I both shift how I'm thinking about it and experiencing it and addressing it? So in closing, are there some tips you could give to our listeners? Like, where can someone start? That's a great question. You know, I think that it's different for everybody, but the three big things that I would say is one, to look at your sleep and figure out how you can really get yourself eight hours of sleep. If you're saying, I do fine on five hours, you're fooling yourself because everyone really <laughs> does need more sleep than that. And I typically, I'm going to say eight, seven for some people. Yeah. So if there's something keeping you from getting sleep, to address it. If it's yourself in your own way, then dealing with that. And if it's something medically going on, to get that addressed. The second thing I would say would be to move. And that's exercise on a regular basis. But it's also just getting up five minutes every hour. I have a little mm. elliptical trainer that I have at home. It's got a footprint of about a foot and a half by a foot and a half. And they're under $100. They're called In Motion. Oh, that's cool. And they're available on Amazon. And I have one at home in my living room. And I have one at my office. And I try to get up for five minutes every hour to just get my blood moving. That improves your energy. It improves your state of mind. And it's a great way to just keep your metabolism moving better. It's there's little greater benefit um, than having getting up. There are a few things that will give you greater benefit than moving your body on a regular basis through the day. And then the third thing that I really tell people to do is to watch to make sure that they're eating food that's food. And so the food you eat actually makes your body. And when we go through the day drinking soda or even eating white bread or eating a lot of sugar and our blood sugar is going up and down, that'll decrease our resilience, A, and B, it decreases our energy. And so I think that when people really make an effort to eat good, high-quality lean proteins and lots of vegetables, even if you know, it's easier to grab a burger at McDonald's. The worst case scenario, if you're in a rush, you can go to the supermarket and get some sliced turkey and an apple and peanut butter, you know, something of that elk. So really paying attention to where you can make better choices with your food so you can nourish your body in a way to make you more resilient. Another thing that you could do to get moving five minutes an hour is to simply get up and do jumping jacks. If you need to find a private room at your, where you're working, you can do that. Or you can even get up and run up and down the stairs or walk around the building. You don't need to buy something to be able to do it, although that little machine really is a lot of fun. That's a great idea. You can find out more about Dr. Samantha Brody by going to her website, drsamantha.com, and you can contact her at contact at drsamantha.com. And if you want to see her free 15-minute video class on Stress 2.0, you can by going to drsamantha.com slash understandstress. Dr. Samantha Brody, thank you again for being with us on Health Currents Radio. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. That's all for our show today. I'm Ellen Goldsmith, 
And I want to thank our sponsor, Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic in downtown Portland, Oregon. You can find more about Pearl Natural Health at pearlnaturalhealth.com. You can always listen to Health Currents Radio and find all of our past shows at healthcurrentsradio.com. In fact, you might want to check out Dr. Samantha's two interviews on eating gluten-free, which are really fantastic. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and don't forget to give us a review. That helps us get the word out and helps us get the show out there in cyberspace. You can find us on the mobile app Stitcher, find us on Twitter at Pearl Natural, or join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com slash healthcurrentsradio. We want to know how you are transforming your life through your health. Thank you.